You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Matt Gagnon. He serves elite C-suite achievers and entrepreneurs who are living on the edge of burnout. These leaders pour into others, their families and their careers, yet rarely have anyone pouring into them. He becomes that trusted source for guidance and perspective. In fact, Matt has served high performers for NBA, from NBA executives, Fortune 500 companies, and tenured entrepreneurs who have delivered exceptional results. Oh, that's that's impressive, Matt. Um, <laughs> and welcome to the show. Thanks, my man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, no, nah, man, I think what, you know, what I'm most proud of, though, is really just, you know, being a father, being a husband, being a friend um, and being a servant in this world. You know, I'm blessed enough where my life purpose uh, to serve others uh, and to make sure no one feels alone in this world and help them achieve their potential, like also happens to be a career. You know, so this is this is way awesome. more than just a career for me. This is this is what I fought for um you know five years ago to have as a career and i went through hell to get it but man you the went journey to hell to get it yeah man how how was it what what were you doing before and what sparked like the change in you to yeah this transition so i spent 15 years in that corporate life uh and it was in the retail side of the world you know working for great companies like staples uh cole Haan, Uh, yeah. Under Armour, Carter's and Oshkosh. Uh, you know, I, I had an amazing experience there. It was uh, incredible leadership um, skills that I was able to learn, you know, recruiting, developing talent, um, marketing, operations, you name it. Like I had my hands in a lot of different things covering territory across the U.S. Sounds And uh, it was amazing, but it also burned me out. Like I allowed it to oh. burn me out. Uh, it was a lot of travel. A lot of travel, sometimes 25, 26 nights a month. Um, and uh, always being on a plane, never being able to build like a core circle of friends outside of work. Uh, and uh, yes. just not having much fun or recreation or fulfillment in life. Everything was around work. And so I was just addicted to the praise of work, the accomplishments, the promotions, the, the money. Uh, I was addicted to praise since I was a child. I mean, I got hooked on that real early, you know, just the idea of feeling loved and appreciated and seen. Um, I, I took it to a whole other level. And so I ran with it as an adult in my career life. The thing is, is just, you know, that, that life of just like drive, 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 um, for success, uh, and checking off every box that society told me would make me successful. Yes. really just made me exhausted and it made it it allowed oh, me yeah. to make myself sick and then i didn't feel fulfilled at all um i felt empty i felt like i was living a uh someone else's life and um and i didn't want that anymore so it was really right around i'd say 2013 i get introduced to the coaching industry while i'm at under armor and um It was just through taking a developmental course while I was at the company about okay. behavioral assessments. And uh, the person running it was um, 
had, uh, had been involved in the coaching industry, we'd started a conversation and he said, man, if this is something you're interested in, you know, the coaching world, like go check out some schools. And he gave me the coaches training Institute is one to check out. He says they're expensive, but man, those are the best out there. And so I checked it out and fell in love with the idea, but uh, allowed a limiting belief in my head around the money part and the time piece that I couldn't do it. So I spent a good two years almost kind of arguing with whether or not I could do it. With yourself, basically. Oh, yeah, with myself. <laughs> you know, I had a, an infant son on the way uh, that was born April 29, 2013. And then... Congratulations. Uh, thank you. He's seven now. And, uh, nice. and then, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, coming up on June 6th, will also be the seventh anniversary of my dad passing away. So he passed away shortly after my son was born. So there was a series oh. of events that happened that made life very challenging. And so finally, by the fall of 2014 in September, I made the leap and said, I'm going to sign up for coaching school and made a serious investment, you know, talking about over 15 grand when it's all said and done. Um, nice. Well, this. A lot of money. I had a great six-figure job, though, too, to fund it. But uh, no, time was helps. limited. It does help, but it doesn't mean you're doing well in life, though, either. I had a mountain <laughs> of debt. My wife had been out of work. It was a difficult pregnancy. Um, you know, there was a lot of situations that still, you know, you can have six figures and still live check to check. Um, you can have seven figures and live check to check. You know, so it's all perspective. So I was all in, though. But... uh Again, uh, the big thing that happened was I got sick by the spring of 2015 and everything changed. Mm -hmm. And that's like the tragedy that I, I've heard a lot. And I also lived it myself because it's not something that you can avoid. It's a mistake that seems it's really common. It's like doing all the right things, pedaling on the treadmill, rising mm -hmm. up on, on corporate ladder. And at the end, you're not fulfilled. You got, you have the money, the house, the titles, the everything that you see, you see in movies right. that you should you should get it. And at the end, you're like, is this all that life is? It's like, why? We're, I feel like I'm meant to do more. Right. And it's good that some people find a way to channel that drive and make it more healthy and enjoy their family lives. All the good things in uh, in life they get to enjoy. I think that. you're right. You know, but. I The other thing, too, I'm learning is I don't want to give such a bad um, rap to the corporate life, though, either. Because, no. look, not all of us are designed to be entrepreneurs or else the world would be a very strange place uh, if we all had <laughs> yes. our own business. Uh, but, you know, the, the corporate life, though, too, is phenomenal for some people. Like, that's what they're meant to do. And they're really, really good at it. Just like I'm designed to be an entrepreneur. So I could have been much better at that corporate life. Had I had the actual boundaries I needed to be successful in it, but I didn't, I allowed that lifestyle to run me and I allowed society's rules to be my rules. Their values became my values. So that was my fault, you know, and I own that part. And so I have no ill will towards the retail industry yes. or the corporate life. I say, you know, I've said in speeches before, I sold my soul to the corporate life. I sold it. That was me. I had to choose to give that away. Nobody took it from me. You have to give it. 
And so um, that was my choice. And so that's why I also take accountability by saying retail didn't burn me out. I did. Yeah, and that's important, especially, and if you can set boundaries, you can have like a wonderful life. And without um, working in other businesses and in corporate, in corporate life, you wouldn't have like interesting stories to tell. And I'm right really on. interested in what stories you have to share <laughs> with me. So uh, without further ado, what would be the biggest leadership success story you've witnessed personally? That I've witnessed personally, you know, you know, outside of my own journey, I've been able to work with a lot of people who've connected with similar journeys too. And I think that's what happens. You attract your own tribe, people who relate with your own journey. But some of the most powerful leadership journeys I've seen are people who took big risks, you know, and I had one client and okay. it was the same scenario where it was like they, uh, they were in a very high performing, like dream job, like a kind of job and title and organization. People would say, man, like you are so lucky to work there. Like, that's incredible. What is it like? And all that envy and just like, boy, you yeah. made it. But the individual themselves is like, no, I don't want this. I never see my family, you know, and I don't like the area I live. I want to be closer to family, you know. And so, but everybody thinks that this is the best thing. So am I ungrateful for wanting something else? Because I should feel like I'm lucky and fortunate to have the job that I have. So does that make me ungrateful for wanting something mm -hmm. else? It's an the interesting question. Pressure. Yeah, social pressure and people telling you, no, you should be grateful. How dare you want something else? It's selfish. You have a family, you know? So, nice. uh, but you know, this individual had to really talk to them about what their own values were in life and what was it they were looking for, you know, and what would it cost them, you know, if they stayed in their current company, what would it cost them? You know, not financially, but emotionally. Yes. A tough and, conversation uh, to have. It is. And it's one you have to have with yourself, yeah, you know, exactly. and, uh, and with, you know, with your spouse, you know, the two of you have to be aligned in that thing if you have a partner in life and so luckily for them you know spouse and them were, were totally in alignment uh on making a move but now it's just about like all right what is if i make this move in life how will i live my life differently is it actually going to answer the the problem i have of wanting more time with family wanting to be closer to my extended family um and be home more be able to travel more will it answer that and so I had to watch this person. And so the leadership perspective is really more the leadership style in their life, not just at work. But now the idea was like, how do we build a lifestyle that you can build a career around versus the other way, which we typically do is build a career and build a lifestyle around the career. Yes. You know, how many times like, you know, uh, somebody will ask you to do something uh, and you know, I know I'll say it from my own perspective, someone would ask me, Hey, would you like to go out this, you know, this weekend? And I'd have to say, well, let me just see what happens with work this week. And I'll let you know. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like, and that's so many times, how many times have I heard people say, let me see what's going on with work and I'll let you know, you know, and there's no commitment. It's always hanging on the line of like, if everything goes well this week, then I'm all in. And it usually doesn't go well. 
Yeah, and, work always you know, so surpasses. Those are typically my clients are the ones that habitually bail and cancel plans at the last second or are never willing to commit on anything. So I want to take it and turn it around and make your lifestyle first and build your career around it. And making the exception is, is when you cancel something to do a work thing. That's the exception. Awesome. But stop canceling life. And so I help this client to stop canceling life and to ignore the judgment and uh, uh, pressures of others in society and actually pursue what they really wanted to do in life. And you know what? It took some time. It took some time. Yeah. But they were willing to go through that journey, and it was a complete transformation in their life where they were able to transition careers. They had to make some adjustments financially, temporarily, you know, and then yes. were able to start having this lifestyle that they had always dreamed of having. So, how, so I think, how is your client now enjoying life? How is it like basically amazing. being leader? You know, and look, you know, I'm not going to say it's always roses. It's, it's not oh, yes. it's still life. They're still alive and they're still <laughs> living sure. the same life we all do, which has its ups and downs. But man, the overall thing is way better because they, they're achieving what they wanted to have. And that is having that family time, having a support system of family nearby. I'll tell you what, because like, uh, you know, do you have kids? Yes, I have a daughter. Beautiful, She's man. Uh, six years old. Yes. Oh, man. Congratulations. Thank so it's you. like, uh, do you have family that lives nearby? Oh yeah, my See, that's parents, beautiful. my wife's parents. Actually, yeah, my parents system. are moving closer to me now. Whoa! All right, I still <laughs> hope that's a good thing. Uh, it is. <laughs> but but, uh, but you have that support system, and so you can imagine though. Sometimes, what would it be like raising, you know, a, a child, and it's just your spouse and you, and you have no family around for any kind of oh, support? It would be so you hard. Know? And, and I, I've experienced that. I know what it's like. I live 2,200 miles from our family, you know, so it's my wife and I. And so now this person has their support system. They're closer to their family. Like life is so much better now, you know? And so I've seen these things from other people too. I had another client too, that was brand new to leadership and had been incredibly wildly successful throughout their career. But now we're in a situation where they had to lead others. And yes. that was a massive transition. And so, so helping that person learn how to understand and identify different communication styles and learning styles and helping educate them on how to flex their communication style in order to meet the needs of their team. You know, and so also how to have honest conversations with the team, how to lead yes. without trying to be liked. You know, but to lead because of doing the right thing for business, leading just to be liked is going to get you in trouble and, uh, and you end up not being respected for it. So, That's uh, and it was also learning how to delegate and follow up, you know, so, cause a lot of brand new leaders that were successful as individuals get into that role and they don't delegate because the mentality of nobody can do it better than me shows up. And when you do it from that perspective, you never empower your team, you never delegate, and then they feel underutilized. And now you have a retention issue, issue because employee engagement is poor. So, you know, I, I worked very uh, hard with this individual because they worked very hard. And we watched their communication style dramatically improve and how they took an interest in their teams, how they learned to coach in the moment, how they learned to educate and empower their team. Uh, 
And then what that did for them was it led to more promotions for them because what they were able to do is train their replacement. They had people on their oh, team. And the thing is, you're not, that's the secret in, in this world. It's like you can't get promoted in a corporate environment unless you've trained and hired your replacement. If you don't yeah, have your replacement in mind, yeah, if you don't have your replacement in store, like why are you going to get promoted? You're going to give that responsibility to somebody else, you know, to pick up the pieces because you've moved on. So that was probably the best part. They became known as training and developing future bench training. And so, you know, uh, it was a beautiful story and it's been a common theme now. Yeah, and you're so right, Matt, because if you're in, a, in an organization and you're awesome at your job, even if it's a higher up job, but if you want to move even higher, you need to have a person ready to step in that position because everybody higher up, we're going to see who's going to fill that void. We don't know if we're going to get a person that's as skilled as this one to do the job. Yeah. You and, want to level up on that too is have someone internal and external in mind. You need to uh, have you need to be networking outside of the business too. Internal's always the best. It's uh it's always the best scenario for most part, you know. Uh but it's good to have a backup externally too. Are you networking beyond the four walls of where you work? You know, and so having an external backup in place is ideal. And so, and you also network too, just because it gives you a global perspective of this world. So I made the mistake a long time ago in the beginning of my career where it was just like, no, I want to work for this place for the rest of my life. I have no reason to go network outside of it. I felt like it was like cheating on my company. Like it just, oh. I wasn't being loyal. And so, no. Get out there. You never know what's going to happen, but build relationships. Be a servant. Get a global perspective. Learn new stuff. You know, so that's why I've leveraged LinkedIn so much. Awesome. And what would be like your top tip for communication? Because everything we've been discussing here, it's about being a better communicator. So what would be the one thing that you, if you start doing it, it already got, you get like exponential results from it. You want to be a great communicator? Be a great listener. Simple. And it's true because we got two ears and one <laughs> mouth and we should use them in that ratio. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really simple. If you want to be a great communicator, be a great listener. You can't be somebody who's always waiting to get in the next word. And those are the people that usually have their mouth open while you're trying to say something because they're just waiting for you to take a quick breath so they can go, Oh yeah. And just complete. And if you're doing that, you're not listening. If you're already yes. thinking about what you're going to say or what question you're going to ask while the other person's talking, you're not listening. If you so are true. somebody who um, is listening to the person in front of you speak and they say, yeah, I'm thinking of taking a vacation to Costa Rica next month. And the first thing that comes into your mind is I've been to Costa Rica and now you're not listening anymore. <laughs> You have good intentions because you want to share stories, but now you've turned it around. You've taken the conversation. You've made it you. And it's so tempting to do. We do it. You know, I've it done is. it plenty of times. But wow. we truly listen. We put our story aside and we listen to theirs. And if there's an opportunity for us to share ours and it offers value, then great. Let's do that. So, you know, I believe in doing that. And then I believe in asking powerful questions afterwards and just questions that have a genuine interest in what they've talked about and powerful questions are, are what we utilize in coaching and they don't have to be these profound questions it's just saying simple things 
like what I was talking to you before we even started, uh, I wasn't even trying. It's not like I was trying to coach, but it was just taking a genuine interest in you before we started the podcast. Yeah. Well, what do you love it about really it? Nice. You know, what do you love about, you know, doing a podcast? And it's a different style of asking a question of saying, why podcasts? Because when we ask questions that lead with why, people tend to get defensive. You know, it's like now I have to justify it because you said why. Why would you do that? Um, and so just asking it differently. What, what about that's important to you? What do you love about it? You know, how has it served you so far? You know, so there's all kinds of different ways to ask questions that are powerful and allow people to open up even deeper. I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask is just what else? It's just two words. I've had people share all these amazing details with me about, you know, what's going on in their life. And I'll just say, what else is happening? You know, what else is there? And all of a sudden they drop a beautiful bomb on me of like just this amazing piece. And it, it wouldn't have shown up if I hadn't asked just, you know, one question with two words in it. So, you know, powerful, genuine questions also are a great way to show that you're listening. And uh, it makes you a powerful communicator. I'm going to steal so, that from you. Yeah. So just, <laughs> so just, <you> know. <laughs> yeah. Learn to be a great leader and the rest will fall into place. And Matt, what is the biggest leadership failure that you had the unfortunate experience of witnessing? You know, witnessing, why don't I just say what I did? <laughs> um, okay. You know, I've witnessed my share, but it's more important to say what I've done. Um, you know, for myself, my greatest leadership failure was trying to be somebody else. When I tried to be my boss, when I tried to lead like my boss and lead my teams their way, that was the worst. That was the worst failure I ever had because, um, In which way? I was trying, I was trying to impress my boss and I was also taking the pressure from them to lead like them because that was the that was the pressure hey the way i lead that's the right way to do it you should lead that way too and i should have been a stronger voice you know i say should have and that's kind of shaming but uh that was my thought back then it's like man this doesn't feel natural and while i was you know i was very successful as a leader there were times it didn't fit me it didn't seem right you know and yeah. i came across as too um sometimes it's almost arrogance um, harsh, you know, uh, and it was all because I was trying to be somebody else. I was trying to lead like somebody else and it was not right. I was young in my career. I was heavily influenced. Uh, and I liked the praise I was getting from my supervisor, uh, to lead a specific way. And it, uh, I wasn't always the leader my teams needed me to be. And that, uh, it breaks my heart to think of it today. It's something I've worked really hard on to ask for forgiveness on um, for those small moments where I, I let people down. I know a majority of the time I was there and I delivered for them, but there were some clutch moments when they needed me and I chose to lead in a different way that didn't align with my values, but aligned with the co- company values or my boss's values. And I, and I let them down. And then there were other times too, I was a warrior and the further along I went in my career, I learned what battles to pick and to say, this is the hill I'm going to fight on and I'll go down swinging for my teams on this one. I'm willing to take any bullets, but uh, that's the biggest leadership failure I can think of 
you know, that, that could really be a challenge for a lot of people is trying to lead as somebody else or the way you think you should lead versus what's natural to you. Yeah. And that's important being authentic and you don't have to pick everything from a person that you admire, pick that, pick the stuff that jives with your own personality and incorporate different stuff and form your own way of leading and being, and then people are going to have an easier time working with you and following your lead because they're going to see, look, he's authentic. I, I don't, they won't, won't see like, they won't pierce through the veil and see like, that's not how he is, he's pretending. Yeah. Because even me, if I see a person that is pretending to be somebody that he isn't, you get a little infuriated and you don't want to work yeah. that closely. But if a person is genuine... Yes, you lose trust because if they don't like themselves, how can I like them? How can I respect them? How can I work with them if they don't have respect for themselves in a way? Yeah. Well, they don't even know who they are. Um, yes. And that was the biggest thing. So in order to actually know your leadership style, you need to take the time to understand who you are, what your core values are, and also identify your limiting beliefs. So that way you never lead from your, your limiting beliefs. You're leading from your true authentic self. And I feel like the best way to do that is um, and it's not, a, it, it, it is a pitch for the coaching industry. It's not a pitch for me, but it's like, get yourself a coach, get yourself a, a mentor or a coach outside of your industry, outside of your job. You know, you got to get a global perspective outside. outside of your company. And that's really going to truly help your leadership development. You can't just expect your leadership development to in career development to come just from the company you work for. You yes. can't, you have to be an advocate for your own development, which means you got to get out there, go hire somebody, go work with somebody that's going to develop you outside of the company. Cause that way you're not just drinking the Kool-Aid from where you work and you're all it, like you, you're getting another perspective and it shows initiative too. Like companies respect the hell out of that to see that you went out yeah. of your way to develop yourself even more. Oh man. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I know I would totally respect that. That's for sure. I, I've had people, I've had clients who have gone, um, you know, to other companies to interview and they've talked about their, you know, say, oh yeah, I was, you know, working on this with my coach recently. Like, oh wow, you have a coach. Yeah. Normally a lot of companies just say, wow, we only thought executives have coaches, you know, in the beginning, but like, <laughs> you know, now to hear people are investing in their own development outside of a company and they're being their own advocates. It's a massive win. So I think people need to look at investing in that because when I have people come to me and they want to work on professional development, sure. I can do okay. that with you. You want me to coach you on negotiating? You want me to teach you on like, you know, uh, communication and coaching styles? Sure. But I can't do that if you don't know who you are. And I can't do that if you have a weak foundation that's built on, a saboteur and shadow side of you that's, you know, filled with limiting beliefs and fear. So we need to get to the core of who you are, figure out that what that is, understand where your limiting beliefs are and rebuild that foundation. So it is strong it is firm. It is based on values and a confidence of who you are. Then we can layer on some competencies to align with your confidence. And that's what's going to make you a powerful leader. But we got to start yeah. with you and what's inside first. You got to be willing to get vulnerable and dig deeper, or else you're just going to layer on new skills on top of a weak foundation that's filled with fear and limiting beliefs. Yeah, and I and I really like your advice. Like, 
tell people that you have a coach, tell all the professional people. I never thought about it that bragging that you have a coach yeah. would actually help you advance in your career. But now that I'm thinking about it, if I had like somebody on my team saying, I just got a coach, I would be like, awesome. Yeah. This person is going places. I, I want to help that person. He shows initiative. Yeah, they're so putting true. skin in the game. You yeah. put, you're reinvesting money. It, look, it's amazing. So many people would rather pay 600 bucks a month on a car payment than in, on themselves. They're not used to it. You know, the idea of like, oh, spending $600 a month, you know, or $1,000, some, some people $10,000. People pay me a lot of money now. And it's like, why should I pay that much money? It's like, well, what's the return on investment for you? If I'm able to help you overcome one thing that's held you back in life, you know, what's that really worth? And that's the beautiful thing is to see those things happen. You know, it's to see people overcome that stuff, you know, and again, it's watching people who, who really, uh, really do themselves a disservice by just trying to take everything on in their own. I think it's amazing when we try and tackle things in our own strength sometimes, but eventually it's like, you only know what you know. And so yeah. if you're going to go at something that's going to have a big impact on your future, you might want to know what your blind spots look like and get a different perspective on things. So, you know, it always gets me, it cracks me up when somebody's like, I'm looking <laughs> okay. for a new career and they don't want to pay, they don't want to invest much in their own development, you know, or even if it's you as simple it. as like, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, they're just like, well, I don't want to pay that much for it. It's like, well, how much is this new career going to pay you? Well, you know, multi six figures. And I'm like, and you want to be really cheap about your development and getting to it? It doesn't make sense with me. You're, you're not ready. We're not ready to work together. You know, you know it's like, hey, I need that. my resume and LinkedIn fixed up so I can get this <laughs> bigger job. I don't want to pay more than $60 for it. I'm like, really? To get that six-figure job, you don't want to spend more than 60 bucks? I'm like, man, I don't think you're very serious about getting that job. And this reminds me like what my grandfather used to say all the time. Like, mm. All you have in life is what you have in your head. The rest of it, you can all go away like in a day. And he suffered like the communists came and they took everything away from him. But he was still successful even afterwards because he had a lot of knowledge and he invested like even in the 30s and 40s, invested in himself. And that that was his like a sort of mantra. Always invest in yourself. Uh, because everything that you know, you can nobody can steal it from you. <laughs> wow. Whoa, it doesn't get much more powerful than that. What a testimony. Thank you for sharing that. That's and incredible. And Matt, what is your leadership philosophy? My leadership philosophy? Uh, man, in my 20s and early 30s, it probably would have sounded a lot different, more of a wartime braveheart scenario <laughs> uh, <laughs> on these shields boys yeah you know and it was just more about tr- you know charging into the battlefield with them and i still believe in that but uh my leadership philosophy is really about i call it living with a courageous heart and oh. uh, living with a courageous heart is living a life aligned with your values and building yourself and surrounding yourself with a team of people that align with your values. I think that's incredibly powerful. You have to build a team and surround yourself with people that have similar values and align with your values, but have different skill sets that are better than yours. Because you got to hire people that can do things better than you. You can't expect yourself to be the master of everything. 
Um, it's exhausting in North Shore. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, but living with a courageous heart, I think it takes incredible courage to live life aligned with your values, not the values that have been defined by others. That takes courage. People will judge you for it in the beginning. People will say you're, exactly. you can't do that. Um, but if you can be bold enough and show up that way, you will earn respect and you will find your people that align with who you, you are. You will them. Yeah, you will. Because if you're wearing a mask and you're trying to show up the way society wants you to, you will attract people who like that version of you, that like that mask that you're wearing. And you can't hate on people that uh, don't like the new you or the old you, we'll call it, the original version of you before you put the mask on. You take that mask off, some of the people in your life aren't going to be a big fan of it, yes. you know, of who you are. Because look, they were attracted to the version of yourself that you showed up as for a long time. Can't blame them. Wow. You know, you take the mask off. They're like, wait a minute. That's not a version of you we signed up for, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, living with a courageous heart is my philosophy in leadership, but in life. Live life aligned need, with your values. You yeah. Need the there's no reason. Heart. Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't live a fulfilling life and still expand your impact in this world. Oh yeah, that's for sure. And to have like a courage, you need a courageous heart because it can't, you have to realize if you're going to change, you're going to lose some friends. You will want, maybe you will want to cut some ties with some people that are really involved in your life now because you realize they're not good for you anymore. So you have to accept that. And since uh, you, you mentioned like being like a warrior leader in a way, uh, something that struck me really hard and hit it home to me because I was, especially when I was younger, I had like this uh, fantasies of also being a warrior leader. Yeah. Uh, I was I was watching the Vikings series and in one of the in one episode appeared like they discussed like what's the most scarce resource that they have and that you have to protect as a leader and that was the warriors themselves because if you if you engage in one wrong battle. You can lose all your people and you're not a leader without people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're so right, man. As an individual, though, um, I tell people to protect their supply lines. And as an yes. individual, if you want to be the best warrior, the best version of yourself in this world, you need to be able to protect your supply lines. And it's something that I failed to protect when I was in the corporate world. And it's something I've failed to protect at times as an entrepreneur because I put everything ahead of it. And these supply lines are the five things I believe that you have total control over in life. And when I got really sick in 2015, I had to rely on these things to help heal my body over just the medications I was taking. So these five things you have total control over are your sleep, your prayer and meditation time, your fitness, your nutrition, and the inner circle of people you surround yourself with. You have control yes. over those things. And people have told me, they said, well, it sounds easy, Matt. That sounds great, but it's not easy to make time for those things. It's, you know, we got busy lives. We have kids. We have all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if you don't create time for these things, then you're creating time to get sick. You're creating time to burn out. You're creating time mm -hmm. for stress. So you tell me, you know, that you can't make time for it. I think it's a load of crap. I think most people aren't willing to create time for it. So and there's always a way. Run, 
Yeah, and you're going to run out of energy if you don't yeah. uh, protect the supply lines. And no yeah, more advancing. You, can't, you, you can't you can't serve on an empty tank. You know, you're going to just start, you know, writing bad checks, you know, on the energy that you have because there's nothing left. So, uh, you know, I've had a good friend oh, yeah. say money's money's infinite, time is finite. And so we only have so much time, we only have so much energy in ourselves every day. So you need to allocate that where it goes, but you got to put yourself first for your basic supply lines. There's nothing selfish about putting those things first. And that's that's the that's the myth that people think they're being selfish if they put those things first in life. And I'm like, there's anyone in your life that gives you crap for putting your fitness, nutrition and your health and your prayer time and your you know connection with other people. If anyone gives you crap for that, then you don't need them in your life. That's terrible. Even with kids oh. as parents, yeah. you know, we give ourselves a hard time. You know, where I hear parents say, well, I just didn't eat today. You know, kids needed stuff and I fed them and then I got busy. And I'm like, how are you as a parent when you don't eat? And they're like, exactly. you get a little cranky and grumpy. And I'm like, hey, your kids aren't benefiting from that. I was like, you know what? I was like, your kids are not going to notice if you eat a sandwich first. You know, they're off doing their own thing, having a blaster in the day. You can eat something first and then oh, yes. feed them. They'll be fine. <laughs> like, and you'll be you'll be better for it. And they need to see you do that. You don't want your kids growing up seeing you always putting yourself last because they'll model the same behavior. Yes, they're going to do the same. You can't. You can't. You know, they. You don't want them to see you never trying to work out or take care of yourself or eat right or not sleep. Like you're modeling that behavior for them. It's teaching them a mindset of like, I can't, you know, can't take care of myself because I'm busy, you know? So I've told my son too, I'm like, Hey, I need to go exercise for 30 minutes. You want to come? You can watch, you can join me if you want to. If not, I'm still going to go do it. Great. You know, because if I do, I'm, I'm promoting a healthier lifestyle for myself that should in hopeful, hopefully will keep me alive longer to play yeah. with my son more and I'm trying to teach him how to put that first too. So yeah, and that's, that's my rant. Leading by model. Leading by yeah. model, it's important. And it's, it's the best thing, the best way to lead, basically. Go first. And right since, on. since you've worked with so many people and helped them grow and become leaders and take bigger steps in the in their lives and bigger risks, which turned out great. What would be the top three leadership tips you have for aspiring leaders? The top leadership tips I have for aspiring leaders. Um, one, I've said it earlier, hire a coach. It's one of my biggest things. You can't do it on your own. I mean, you can, but it's really painful. <laughs> and it shouldn't have <laughs> to be that hard. Hire a coach, get outside perspective. You need somebody who can see your blind spots and also call you on your bullshit. Like, you know, call you out on your ego and your pride. You know, because I think that's one of the, the biggest things that leads to uh, to a failure as a leader, as a leader is total incompetence, you know, yes. and that's when ego and pride get in the way. Hire a coach. You know, uh, one of the second tips I give people is understand your team. Know your team. Get to know your team. Don't make assumptions on how your team, you know, how your team is, what they want, what they don't want. You know, that's a dangerous place. Well, I know that they'd probably like this. No, ask them. Find out. The third so thing true. is don't don't try and lead to be liked. Everyone likes to be liked. And when I say that, people go, oh, man, are you just saying, you know, be a dick? I'm like, no, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, God, it's not no. about a popularity contest. Not everybody's going to like you, you know, but lead as a leader that you demand the best out of people, you know, yes. demand the you best out them. of people. Yes, stretch them, make them grow. And sometimes that's not going to feel good. Oh, yeah. Growth for sure. doesn't always feel good. You know, same thing. When you go to work out, it doesn't feel good getting stronger. Like it hurts. Like you're, you're fatigued, you're tired, you're, you're tearing muscles to get stronger. It hurts, you know, but you get stronger through the process. But it can be fun too. And so, yeah, you can't do it as a popularity contest. You can't be afraid of not being liked. Um, you just need to do what's right for the business and for your team. Everything's going to work out. Because that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you take care of the business, then the team is still ha still the team still has a company to work for, which is great. Yes. <laughs> um, so people are always saying it's got to be people, people, people. Yes, it does. But you have to lead in order to drive the business because without the business, there are no people. Yeah. And you and can the say the other way: there's no people, there's no business. It's symbiotic. But yes. like, you know, you could have great people, but if there's no company left. And everybody oh, yeah. likes you. It doesn't matter how much everybody likes you. If there's no company left, you got to say goodbye to those people. And I think once you say goodbye to them, they're not going to be too happy with you. So yeah. it's, a, it, it's not as complicated as it sounds, but it's really those, those simple things. You know, get a coach, understand your team by asking them questions and getting to know who they really are. And, and the other one, too, is don't, don't make it a popularity contest. Yeah, and business growth and growing your team at the same time, it's a balancing act. Have to yeah. go from one to the other. So it's not its not going to be perfect for God's sake. It's not going to be smooth and like you see in the movies, it just happens. <laughs> no. <it's, laughs> but that's what gives savor to life. It makes it worth yeah. living. You have stories to tell. Uh, and you build a team that's when you get together and say, yeah, we did this and we did that. It was hard, but we we succeeded. Be willing to fail. You know, if there was a fourth tip oh, in yeah. there, it's really be willing to fail. Like you're going to screw up at your job. You're going to mess up some coaching conversations too. You're going to say the wrong thing or, you know, do it the wrong way and it's not going to go well. You'll be fine, you know, as long as you're not saying anything too stupid. You'll be all right. Like, you know, you're going to make mistakes, you know, but like, you'll be fine. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep trying. You have to be willing to fail or else you're just going to be playing it safe and you're going to have minimal growth, if any. No. So you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to take some chances. And that's where you're going to find the real success in life. And you're going to build more trust with your teams. If you make mistakes with them and, you tr and then you make it right with them, it builds trust. You know, but yes, if you do it from a place of serving, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And if you think about it, the closest friends you have are the people that you failed a lot together. So you have lots of stories oh, yeah. together. Uh, and Matt, I know you've invested a lot in yourself. And I'm really curious, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Say that again. So I know you've invested a lot in yourself. So I'm really curious, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Ah, the book. Um, I'm not a huge reader, and uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. I used to do that all the time. I know it's I should key. be. Uh, but, you know, one of the books that had the most profound impact on me was when I was 17 years old, 
It was 1997. Mm-hmm. I'm a junior in high school. And uh, my grandmother gives me a copy of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Good and uh, man, uh, I read that. Everything connected with me. I was like, well, this isn't rocket science. This is common practices. This is just being a decent human being in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, but it reinforced those simple things. It told me that leadership doesn't have to be complicated. It really can be simple. Very simple, simple, basic principles around treating people and taking interest in people and listening to people. It had a very profound impact on me. And I was a class president at the time in school. I was class president in college. Oh, like nice. Leadership was wired into me. And it, and it helped me become a better leader. Um, it helped me learn how to build better relationships, for sure. Um, so that, that had a very profound impact on me. And I'd say the second one that, that had a really strong impact on me um, was, was more of a business book um, when I was going into the coaching industry, but it was called um, The Prosperous Coach. Oh. And I think this is a great book for any entrepreneur, not just coaches. Um, there's a lot of coaching tips in there, but this isn't about like a book that says like, follow these steps for a six figure income. Like I just, that stuff doesn't turn. <laughs> I hate that crap. Yes. It's not my style. You know, I'm not going to tell you how to 10 X your business. Uh, I want that to be a result of the work we do together. But like yeah. when I read the prosperous coach, what I got out of it was more about overcoming my own limiting beliefs around marketing and sales and understanding my own value and being bold and confident to ask for my value in this world with my clients and with my business to not undercharge, to not undersell myself, um, to stop offering discounts right off the bat, to focus on not trying Mm -hmm. to trade my time for money all the time, but to think bigger, to stop thinking and building a business from a, uh, a place of lack, but from a place of abundance and value. And the idea that, you know, if my client achieves what they really want to in life, the return on investment will always be greater than what they pay me always. And so it's a book that challenges people more on the emotional side of sales and marketing than actually just like the processes to take. I found it fascinating. It was not this sleazy used car salesman type of approach. This was heart centered and it had some very simple principles that it tackled and it and it luckily for me this isn't something i've struggled with but for a lot of my peers in the coaching industry you have to learn to love the business side of coaching just as much as you love the coaching because if you don't it's just a hobby yeah and uh, after hearing your details about the prosperous coach the book and i'm thinking like i always thought of myself even when I was an employee and going to a job, I'm always a business of one. Even if I work, I, I have just one client and you always have to, in my opinion, it's good, It's a good idea to run yourself as a business and mm-hmm. always asking for your true value and how much yeah. you appreciate yourself and say, okay, I, I'm more valuable today because I did this, 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 this year. I, I have, I need a raise. I need to get uh, something else bonuses or something and it makes for a better experience in life (laughs) absolutely absolutely 
I mean, you can use it as another way to also ask, you know, boldly for your pay, you know, for your promotion, yes. you know? So when you're in a corporate world too, it's the same idea. And there was a reason why I got promoted every time where I got a raise pay increase with every company I was recruited with. Um, yeah, I asked ask for, for my value. Yeah. I yes. asked for my value and I understood the value because I also understood the company's pain points. And so the question always was, well, if I can help solve the pain point you're hiring me for, what is that really worth to you? You know, oh, you really good want, question. You really want to haggle over $5,000 with me if I'm able to solve this million dollar problem you have? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, exactly. That's, that's my stance on it. Yeah. Matt, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? You know, uh, interesting question right now. Uh, right now, the best place is to go to LinkedIn. You know, find me under my name. I know you'll share the spelling on there. Yes, I'll also put LinkedIn's, the link. LinkedIn's where I've had 70% of my business. It's where a majority of my content goes. Um, you know, I operate the company Life Story Coaching. Uh, but now as the business has grown so much, I'm starting to transition more into that personal brand. Because people associate my name with me, not, not necessarily with Life Story Coaching. So it's an interesting place to be about transitioning to a personal brand as a company. But um, you can still find me on LinkedIn, websites under development again. Um, and uh, on Instagram, you can find me at I am Matt Gagnon, um, spelled Gagnon. But um, yeah, and you can always reach out to me in those places. Send me a direct message. Let me know if you're interested in working together. I got a ton of stuff in the works right now with uh, online awesome. programs and some great evergreen content, uh, creating some very low barrier to entry courses out there to get people started in the process. So you don't have to just jump head first into one-on-one -on -one coaching um, uh, because I'm reducing how many people I bring on board for that now, but uh, more stuff in the works, my man. Great. And I highly recommend uh, go and connect with Matt and follow him on social media, see what he has going, buy some coaching from him. I highly recommend, especially after this conversation. I'm sure you're going to, he's going to help you take over the world. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt, for being on the show. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Okay, bye-bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.